Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at Season 1, Episode 11, Death Becomes Him, in which Frasier has an existential crisis after a young doctor dies. Key, I want to start this week by asking, are you prone to existential pondering? Do you ever think about death? And all the so, time. What... I do. Honestly, I, I ponder my mortality all the time. A few, um, a few weeks ago... Um, Shannon made me watch The Notebook for the first time. Wow, I've not seen that. It, don't watch it, mate. Like honestly, I was going. Like, I didn't. It's like it's quite emotional, but I didn't really care about the character, so I didn't get emotional about what I was meant to get emotional about. But I was going back to. I went to bed. I was like, I'm 24. I'm going to die one day. I shouldn't be thinking about this. <laughs> I should think I'm immortal. I'm going to live forever. But no, I'm worried I'm going to get dementia and then I'm going to die. What's going on with me? Like, I Man, genuinely. So the Notebook really kind of kicked you for six. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I didn't like the film actually. Actually, I'm going to come out and say it. The Notebook is an overrated film, mm. and I expect to get hate mail. But <laughs> from, I, I do. I, I have these little moments where I, I ponder my mortality. Yeah, but at the same time, I can't picture myself dying. Like, I mm. can't. It's quite weird. I, I can't envisage the possibility that I'm actually going to die. But at the same time, I, 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 th- I think I'm probably more aware of my that I'm going to get old more than I'm going to die. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting because I, I'm, I don't know if I'm the reverse of that, but I think the getting old thing is nuts. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched Peep Show, but I always think of like, there's a quote from Jeremy from that when he says, you know, I, I, he sees like an old person. He's like, God, look how old that person is. I'll never let myself get like that. Like, the idea is you just never, ever think it'll happen to you. It just, it's something that happens to other people. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm. I ponder, I ponder life and death quite often. Um, the nature of being into, you know, books and writing, I think you tend to have a, a lot of the books I read are very bleak and sad. So it tends to be on my periphery all the time. But something Frasier does in this episode when he kind of sits on the sofa and he puts the fingers in his ears so he can hear his own heartbeat. I used to always do something really similar to that when I was a kid in bed. I'd like put the duvet over my head and like lie really still and pretend I was like kind of halfway between alive and dead. It's really <laughs> weird, but I used to think it was like some spiritual thing or maybe I was going to have enlightenment or something. Um, that's the first time I've ever said that out loud. And I just realized how insane I sound. No, I, I genuinely, I think Frazier is really, really relatable. To, I, I really relate to him in this episode. This is me every time I hear anything in the news <laughs> about health. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm Are you a bit guy. of a hypochondriac, would you say, or just generally so more tuned into death and stuff like that? Yeah, I probably am a bit of a hype. But I'm not in this. Like, I don't go to the doctors and say, "I think I've got this," and "I think I've got that." But mm. I will be one of those people who will like turn around to whoever they're with and go, I think I might have that, you know. I might, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I've got this. Like, oh, I mean, there's hypochondriacs in my family, and I know like his close friends are pretty similar as well. And it's just, yeah, it is, it is one that you know, they watch a film where recently I watched a great film called First Reformed about like a priest, a bit like Taxi Driver. It's made by the guy who wrote Taxi Driver. It's a bit like a priest if he was the, the main character of, of Taxi Driver. And that's all about death and terminal illness. And I had a friend who watched that at the same time and he was just plagued by by kind of yeah he was a hypochondriac and he just couldn't deal with the the themes of the film which i just think yeah i mean i think that sets us up pretty nicely for a very heavy episode but before we do that do you want to tuck yourself into trivia corner i do indeed um should i go first with my first question or shall i bring in my coffee with niles and we do his first i don't know what we normally do i think we go with my coffee with niles first yeah Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's. I've started to call him just Coffee now. So I don't just to say his, 
his name the whole time. I did say this in a comment. I, I thanked him for his questions this week, um, which I just want to do so again live on air. Um, but yeah, he will he'll be known as Coffee from from here. <laughs> okay, here we go. Key question one: When Niles recommends his father see Doctor Gary Newman, he mentions that the Doctor has a painting by whom hanging in his office? Oh, okay. I thought it was a type of okay. It's I think it's, is it a Lichtenstein or it a Lichtenstein? is a Lichtenstein. Can you remember his first name? I have no idea because I genuinely just I think of Lichtenstein as like a, a country. So right, okay, you're not familiar <laughs> with the uh, the artist Lichtenstein. No, no, I am not. No, so, I'm not yeah, a cultured Roy Lichtenstein. Roy. He was basically, I think, a contemporary of Andy Warhol, but he was yeah, big pop art kind of guy. He has that the. Is... Um, I think that is not the first not name. Marilyn right? Monroe. That was Warhol, wasn't it? But it's like the, the kind of comic book, like with the, the dots everywhere. I think that's Lichtenstein. Oh, that is not the first name. I expected to go with that last name. R- Roy. <laughs> Lichtenstein, what's his first name? Roy. <laughs> you know Roy. <laughs> okay, you've got one. You've got one right. We did, he did say this week he was going to try and make this a little bit tougher, but you, yeah. you might be on, on the ball tonight, Case. We'll see. Okay, question two. According to Frazier, who will be catering his funeral when he dies? Oh, I I did make a note of this because I considered it as a question. Um, I think, is it Michaelson's? It is Michaelson's. I mean, from the name alone, could we possibly hazard a guess at what kind of cuisine they produce? Because it sounds quite British and I just don't think Frasier would have a, I don't know, I don't know. Weirdly enough, I think Michaelson's just does really good quality buffet food, like little, you know, sausage rolls, you know, little in in triangles ham sandwiches you know not the square <laughs> stuff triangles I, I need to get their number if that's the case because they could cater my funeral i think that'd be fantastic i'm basically a seven-year-old boy when it comes to buffet food oh, like, i love buffets. ham sandwiches sausage rolls little cocktail sausages that's yeah you just need the, the pleasing easy fatty foods you know yeah. and to quote martin about buffets you know don't be a hero you can only eat so much um, <laughs> okay two out of three key can, this is a hard question coming up now can okay. you bring it home for a grand slam what is the name and year of the wine that Niles has tagged for himself in oh, case okay. Frasier passes? Okay, I'm pretty sure the wine is 1975. It is 1975. The name? Oh, because it's like a French name. <laughs> it is. It's got, the, it's got the classic kind of prefix of, of most French wines, but then it's, the, it's okay. kind of the second qualifier that's harder, I think. It's Chateau de... I've, I've got... I'm thinking, is it like... It's something like Terre, like Chateau de Terre or Chateau de... You, I'm going like to give Terre. you that. You are so close. It's Chateau Certaire, I think. Oh, okay. Um, C-E-R-T-A-I-R. Um, okay, so my oh, can my notes? I'm looking close. at my my life. I think spelling wise, I would have been nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were very close, and you got the year, which I think is impressive as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a three out of three there, if coffee will allow that. Um, oh, thank, thank you so you. much, as always, those questions, and we uh, look forward to some more next week, if of course he has the time to write them. But key, it's now time for mine and yours. Do you want to kick things off? Okay, so uh, when Fraser used to got his uh, TB jab as a kid. What did he recite? I think I remember this. I think it's, is it Puccini's operas? Is indeed, yes. Yes. I I have a distinct memory of getting an injection, um, kind of like the, the classic when you go to the clinic as a kid and you have to have loads. And I was having one, and I think you used to buy these as well, the Simpsons magazines. Basically, yes. my mom was like, I, I will give you the injection. No, you have the injection. If you're, you're a good boy and you don't cry, I'll get you a Simpsons magazine afterwards. So I just associate this kind of thing now with the Simpsons mags, which was so good. I, I miss those magazines. I'd really, really like to see them in shops again. I don't, yeah, I don't think they get them anymore. Dying breed, those kind of serial magazine, you know, kind of accompanying the, the watching of the show kind of thing, like a reading companion. Um, okay. 
Question one from my set. What does Dr. Jennings have on his desk and what does he keep inside it? Oh, okay. So it's something to do. Okay. The thing he has on his desk, it's either like it's a colon or an intestine or something like that. Am I... Yes, it is. It's a colon. A colon. And then inside it, does he keep his tongue compressors? I think something yes, like that. Yes, he does. Yes. Tongue depressors, which I mean, I've got, we'll talk about that when I get to the review because Niles' reaction is brilliant, but. Yeah, kind of a disgustingly dark kind of black humour to have in a doctor's office, I think. But I think a bit of whimsy goes a long way in a, in a doctor's office, I think. Uh, so my second question, and I will be surprised if you don't get this. Okay. What is the name of the doctor that Martin did not like? Oh, I've <laughs> shafted you royally there. I, have, I hate that. I've completely dumped on your question. It's Dr. Jennings. I'm sorry. It is indeed you not a problem that. at all. <laughs> Work hard to come up with these questions. So Next week, you can have an extra one. How's that? Oh, thank you very much, Rob. I'm touched. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> question two from mine. What does the second question in the Cosmo quiz concern that Martin reads in Dr. Newman's office, uh, waiting room, I should say. Oh, wait, okay. I, it's very I think niche and like, it's, it's not, it's very vague, really. I'm just looking for the rough idea. Okay, because I, I thought I knew and then I'm thinking what I'm thinking is actually the first question. I think the first, it's the first question, isn't it, that's about sensitive <laughs> It is, yeah. That was my, my gut instinct. I think the second one, is it something to do with oral? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. Uh, which isn't something I should say out loud when <laughs> people are walking past my room. Um, but yes, it is about oral. I mean, I've, I've read, I, I, I feel like I've read a Cosmo before. I seem to have a memory of it being in the bathroom when I was on holiday once. And I was, you know, I needed a bit of literature for my for my, for my business. And going to the toilet, I should say, <laughs> there wasn't a sexual aspect to this. Um, and I remember reading it and thinking, yeah, what the hell is this? Um, and I think those quizzes are quite, they're used quite often in TV shows as like a punchline to something. And one of my favourite sitcoms from the 90s and early 2000s is Just Shoot Me, which was all about kind of a magazine, a gloss magazine like that, that was kind of sending up Cosmo and stuff. So yeah, quite got a bit of a cachet in the sitcom, American sitcom business, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never read a Cosmo, but I feel I've lived vicariously through all the yeah, sitcoms. I, think, I feel like everyone's kind of read one, even if they've never read one. I think there's a proverb in there somewhere. Okay, so we have uh, my final question. Hit me. Uh, where is Dr. Newman's, um, it's either his house or his beach place, you know? Uh, oh, I think I, I think I remember. I think the okay. receptionist says this yeah. to Frasier, and I think yeah. it's Lake Shalon. It is indeed. Well done. Yeah. So I actually looked this up. Oh, my God, man, I'm blushing. <laughs> I had to look this up, actually, because I didn't know how you how you spell it. Um, I've like got it down. C- C-H-E-L-A-N, so nothing like I was spelling it on. I had it as C-H-A-L-O-N. I had no idea. (laughs) Right, you know, it's it's close enough. Phonetically, it's fine. Okay, so I've got three out of three. I did ruin one of your questions, but (laughs) here we go. Here's my final one. What dessert does Gail bring in when they are sitting shiver? Oh, okay. It's a it's it's a tort, I'll tell you that. Yes, it is. I'm Can trying you tell to remember me what the... kind of tort it is. I want to. This might not. I'm not a cookery sort of guy, so this might not even be a tort. But I want to say, was it something like a lizard tort or a lizard tort? So close. It's a oh. linza. 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 Oh, so close. Yeah, a linza tour, which I had to Google. I've heard it somewhere else. I'm not sure where. Another sitcom, I feel. Um, but it's like a kind of a bit like a, a pastry apple pie looking thing, but it's got like different fruits in it and stuff. And um, actually looks pretty delicious. So I should go for a slice right now. 
But uh, Key, that was a that was a valiant effort, and you absolutely bossed Coffee's questions as well. So I bet you feel pretty good. Yeah, I feel I feel, feel great. I'm going to Disneyland. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Right, we can get into the review of Death Becomes Him then, which, as we said, is all about Frasier kind of battling his own anxieties regarding life and death. We have we start this episode with a really kind of surprising revelation that Daphne has never had a serious boyfriend. I don't know if this kind of struck you as odd because she seems to me she's very she is and she isn't streetwise when it comes to men. She get I get the impression as the show goes on that she is more than she isn't. But you know, she's she's attractive, she's young. I think that's surprising to me. So yeah, I don't know how you found that. Yeah, I find it surprising. I'm not sure I know some people what they count as serious boyfriends, like in my it, maybe differs from person to yeah, person. Yeah, the so, goalposts kind of move. Yeah, so maybe what she's she's maybe downplaying it, but I'd be very surprised if she not had a serious boyfriend at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we kind of have that, that interaction with her and Niles at, at this point where he's making an origami swan out of the uh, of the um, the napkins and, you know, she says, is that, is that a swan you were just making? And he says, no, it was a B-52, which is just an excellent gag. It always gets a laugh from me. Have you ever attempted origami, <laughs> incidentally? No, I know that I'm going to be bad at it. I'm not even going to try and risk it. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it in my head. I don't understand what they're doing. I really don't. They just like they they push it together and it works, and I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I I have I've tried before um, because you you can't even just get like an A4 piece of paper and do it. You have to you have to have a square piece of paper, so you have to kind of get the A4 and then fold that in a certain way and then cut it up so you have the kind of accurate square. But yeah, mm. I, I, that's something I've always I've always had a real affinity for. It. I think it's a really like really great kind of craft and an art form and that, that kind of associated there was a really good game on the ps3 um actually i say really good game it was an okay game called heavy rain it was like a police procedural type thing and that had like a guy called the origami killer as the antagonist and on the front cover was like a crane like in the, well, in the point yeah, i think i vaguely remember that actually yeah yeah i've always associated it with um with that but yeah a good little a good little um kind of art form the next bullet point i've got after the b52 gag which i think is really good is what I was talking about in the questions earlier, which is Niles' reaction to the colon joke. He just kind of puts his hand up as if like he's, you know, he's going to retch or be sick. And I think that joke, that that kind of physical comedy that he's doing there recurs like so often in the show. Yeah, I, I think one couple of things I'd not already want. I think in this episode, actually, we see the, the jokes, I think, run from scene to scene very well. So, for instance, we've seen straight away. Um, the, you know, the B-52 joke and how Daphne likes him on the manly side. Later on in the episode, we'll see, you know, Niles trying to open up, uh, I can't remember, was it a coffee jar or, or yeah, a jar of some kind? Yeah. Um, you know, similarly, in later on in the later scene, we see Daphne saying about how she doesn't like the African mask. And at the end, she puts a towel over it. I think we see, the, I think the jokes, there's a very, there's a running theme to all of the jokes in this episode, which I, I quite like. Really good observation, actually. All of the things you just picked up on, especially the the jar and the towel, are I have as marked as talking points when we get to them later. Um, but yeah, I... I have to I have to admit I committed a cardinal sin here and I did end the episode before watching all of the closing credits gag and I forgot oh, that well. she throws the towel over the thing. I know I should not admit that live on air. I'm a fraud. Um but yeah, um, I love that. I love as as you said the kind of the through line and the thread that connects all these jokes. I just think yeah it's a, it feels like a really tight episode and it has a really tight opening as well. And I think as well we we see a bit more of the physical comedy uh, from David Hyde Pierce in this episode. Mm. You know again with you know you have it here but you also have it with the jar and things like that when he's trying to open that and and, and yeah, yeah. What, what we also see in this scene as well we see a, a running the same sort of gag 
you know, Niall says that he has his fear abandonment workshop today and he's been a no-show twice. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, so I think that's maybe three times already we've had so far in this season where we've had him going to a class that is they're playing a joke off of yeah i think it is we've had is it the name tags one already um or am i misremembering that where well, i know there's the one multiple personality one yes and multiple personalities the um, uh, and then there's there's one before that which i can't remember so i remember one with a clown i think where is he dressing oh, up as a clown yeah, the or... healing with humor yes healing with humor um, yeah yeah so yeah you're right that is the third time and i, I don't but... know how often this happens i feel like it's he does this less than 10 times throughout the whole of the show but yeah it would have been i mean i don't think it would have got old if they'd done it I, like I really, times. Yeah, I really like it as a gag, actually. I think they're so far that all of them have been very fresh. They've been good jag. I went for jokes and gags and came out with jags. Um, <laughs> a good... that is cool. <laughs> it's, uh, they've all been good jokes. I mean, you know, I really like, I'd have liked to see them carry on more, to be honest. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this with relation to like, the celebrity callers as well, but like it's the perfect vehicle for the, the writers to just come up with anything. Like it, It's like a blank check for them to, oh, what gag, what pun can we come up with here? And I just think, yeah, I just, I just think it's really, really neat. So you've just said about uh, celebrity callers. I'm right. Is this the first time we've not had any celebrity caller call into the show? I think it is, actually. I'm, I, I, no I remember when in he's this in episode, the is booth. There? But I don't think he Ross. goes on air, does he? No, he doesn't. Just, There's actually no. no KACL this episode. Is that the wow. f- first time that's happened? Yeah. And I, it's I, kind I, of spooky, actually. I hadn't noticed until now, and I feel like I feel like you need the, the anchor of KACL. Otherwise, yeah. it's like you're in the nether zone. When, when know, he was speaking this? to Roz, actually, I expected him to go on air and give us a little speech about death. Yeah, um, yeah. That would, that would have been very kind of typical of him, like grandstanding yeah. and scaring his audience half to death, I think. But I think um, we get that sort of the audience and the KACL moment much later in the episode with the actual family members rather than with you know a nameless faceless figure yeah yeah we'll come yeah well, i was going to come to that yeah about the the interaction he has with martin which is mm. um really kind of striking one thing i wanted to discuss at this point is martin makes the, the funny joke about when he looks down at the doctors he wants between his legs he wants to see wingtips because he doesn't want a female doctor seeing seeing him he wants a male doctor one i had to look up wingtips to, to see what they were were you familiar with what wingtips are is this like a because i from looking at them on google i feel like the we brits have a different word for them brogues and i just didn't understand this gag at all when i first heard it i don't know how you react i didn't get it actually I, I didn't really get it until you've just said actually um no yeah so wingtips are basically like the kind of classic brogue patent leather patterned brown you know formal shoe so but why i just don't get the association why them why look down and see them is that something doctors wear is it an association with kind of intelligent men or yeah just never really got this one maybe i mean maybe it's an eight like when i think of older doc if i feel of think of going to like the doctors in the 50s i imagine a doctor in sort of a suit and brown shoes i suppose yeah yeah um, maybe maybe, maybe yeah i think i that. think you're right actually so but, it's maybe um, just kind of reference to that no it is a bit of a maybe it's maybe it's just a joke that doesn't convey very well in the uk is maybe it does america or maybe it's aged a little bit um, yeah yeah i just feel like I'd, i've never heard wingtips ever in this country be used as no i don't shoe. no um, i mean i was really hoping i was really hoping you weren't going to ask me because i would have been miles off the mark and I just, I don't, <laughs> well, a good question, actually. yeah what are wingtips uh, <laughs> uh yeah so we have another pun with doctors here the name gary newman are you aware of the pun that is making no, it's right 
You're a punder. <laughs> there is an 80, very famous 70s and 80s musician called Gary Newman. Famous for, you know, cars. Here in my car, it is where oh, I feel safe. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, sorry for everyone having to listen to my singing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's Gary Newman. So I just thought, is there, is there some kind of pun going on here? I did look up Gary Newman's like famous songs to see if any of them had a medical connotation. And I, I didn't really see anything unless I, you know, was blind as a bat and didn't look properly. But yeah, I just don't understand why they would, why they would the- kind of call him some someone that's so immediately recognizable maybe could the writers just be a big gary newman fan maybe maybe, just maybe little... cars was like blasting in the yeah. writers room when they, they wrote just this uh they wrote this paying thing. tribute um we have at the the so after this point i should say we're kind of moving through but for those who aren't familiar with the plot that well i'll kind of fill you in as we go along so basically martin has been skipping out on going to his uh, doctor because he doesn't like him and so Frazier drags him down to this doctor that Niles has recommended. What doctor I um, sorry, I would on. say, just I love how confident Martin is when he's lying about going to the doctor. <laughs> and the fact but, he's gone to the effort to put the, yeah. the, the, the cotton wool on his arm. You know, how was, um, you know, how's your blood pressure? Perfect. Amazing. It was the best I've ever seen. <laughs> textbook. I mean, blood was textbook. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> love it, you know? Yeah, so Niles kind of recommends they go and see one of his doctors and they go down there and this quote when they're in the waiting room from Frasier, I actually, when I heard it, I always it always kind of rings st- rings true every time I watch this episode. I think this is one of the quotes from Frasier himself that I've actually used in, in real conversations at some point in my life, like a few times. Not like in a forced way, but I think like when he says, You know, Dad, I was just struck by one of life's little ironies. I remember you taking me to the doctor, and now here I am taking you. Just the way he phrases that's very typical of Frasier. It's kind of very neat and kind of formally phrased. But yeah, I think I've used that in multiple conversations. Just, um, you know, usually about something really stupid and trivial at home. But I just think it's a really nice quote. And I think, yeah, the interaction he has with Martin here is really nice. I think this whole scene actually is really nice. You know, mm. I love the the comedy with the Cosmo and that we, you know, are your nipples sensitive? <laughs> and with that poor ailing woman who <laughs> yeah. seems to have every disease under the sun. Um, you know, she's like chronically depressed i think and then martin you know i've got sensitive nipples um <laughs> yeah she's I got also... like flake, flakes on her skin and stuff it's just yeah it's pretty horrifying her voice as well she's so lethargic and like absolutely out of it it's pretty terrifying i, I mean i also i love the fact that fraser and niles completely judge your medical profession a uh, professional on money you know, he's, he's yeah, got on, a, on, the, on the status and wealth. Yeah, yeah. garlic can sign, and he's got a weekend place at Lake Shalone, and he's always oh, <laughs> um, just Yeah, it's it's awful, but I mean, it's just I, I, it's a nice little just insight into how they kind of deal with the wider medical world that they're a part of, because it is just I imagine a giant who, who's who of oh who's got a beach house in the Hamptons or Cape Cod or whatever. You know, it's just yeah, it's all about money to them, um, even though they do have their ethics as some episodes you know show but yeah it's uh wealth is a, it's very important to them yeah the one other thing i really love about this scene is martin's reaction to finding out that dr newman is dead <laughs> because this is me every time right i've been at a train station and like, oh the train is delayed by 20 minutes and people are standing there getting annoyed and like oh, this is ridiculous this is outrageous yeah. and then it's because someone got hit by a train and they instantly just go that is such a shame that's dreadful. It is, yeah, the immediate 180 <laughs> people have to do. It's just, you know, I know 
I'm, I'm part of a as a, as a you, I think, part of a community support page on on Facebook where people can post their many grievances with the how the town is being run, and yeah, often it's like, oh man, bloody motorway was shut today. We've all had to come through the town. There's traffic everywhere, and then people are like, yeah, someone lost their life. Just think about these people that are not coming home to their families tonight. And you know, sometimes people are still like, you know what? I don't care. It's <laughs> there's too much traffic. I mean, just, yeah, you get a real insight into what people are like. The listeners should listeners should know that our community Facebook page once told us how um, if Stalin was in charge, parking would be better. <laughs> he just, wouldn't tolerate it's a, this. It's a terrifying world out there on uh, on social media. But yeah, you have to tread lightly. Um, so after we have the revelation that Dr. Gary Newman has died at the tender age of 41, kind of causing Fraser's uh, existential crisis, we have him then debating this with Roz, as we've talked about in the KFC album. And just some great, <laughs> some great moments of Roz when she's like, maybe it's because you're 41 and I'm not. And she kind of bursts out laughing when she says that. And the fact that she's, she has this anecdote that she's dating an older man and she's worried she'll kill him <laughs> with sex. I mean, have you ever seen the film Private Benjamin? Private Which Benjamin? It had, uh, I, I think, Goldie Horn played the lead. No, when when did it come out? Oh, we're going back a few years. I think probably 80s, I guess. Oh, okay, right. No, um, I've but... not. This happens in that film. Uh, she's in bed with a guy. I think it's her wedding night. He's a much older chap. Mm. Uh, and, and he dies in the, in the act, so to speak. Wow. Um, that is so yeah, that's, a, what that's a way I, to go. I, know, I mean, in fairness, that's how I think we'd all want to go, isn't I it? I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> I actually learned somewhere recently from a book I was reading that I don't know what language it is. It might be French or it might be Latin or something, but like an orgasm essentially translates to the little death because of <laughs> the... like the, I don't know if it's the, the, the soup of hormones and emotions that courses through you, you know, at the moment of. That like it's yeah it was it was just like really philosophical and moving to read and just yeah this book I was reading was all about kind of that that vibe and yeah. just yeah kind of a very very poignant I think I mean Roz says she's not forty one here could you hazard a guess at how old you think she is I'd say early thirties maybe thirty two ah it's quite young I yeah I don't I really don't know I, if I had to guess I'd probably say thirty five maybe mid 30s but yeah yeah i think i think most of the characters in this actually in this whole show i would struggle to to pin the age on the donkey so to speak like i would uh, i'd find it hard to give any of them at any one time kind of an accurate guess yeah i mean what's what's interesting actually given that we know ros clearly is a bit younger than i mean do you reckon that means ros and niles are around the same age i think they probably are yeah and i think maybe that's why they they butt up against each other a little bit more because they're of similar age but so apart status wise and wealth wise maybe that's part of the the friction there i mean do you think in terms of this scene between ros and fraser in in KACL. Mm. I think this episode really needs this scene. I think it just it needs something to take because I think if you had twenty minutes, you know, if we had say ten or twelve minutes of Fraser just worrying about his own mortality, then going to mm. see the family, I think that it maybe wouldn't have the impact it does. I think you need that little bit of just breaking it up a little bit and and that little bit of variation which this scene gives it. I think. Yeah, I think you need a bit of levity and a bit of a bit of light-hearted kind of moment because yeah, it's it's a heavy episode. It's the first episode of the show. 
that we have, you know, as we're going through it, that deals with really kind of significant um, matters of, of life and death. And, and Frasier, as someone who seems so pompous and aloof all the time, to actually kind of internalize and look inward and think, man, I'm going to die one day. And am I am I leading a happy and fulfilled life? And which is kind of a question that comes up in in my coffee with Niles, the, the final episode of this season, that kind of refrain, are you happy? And it's just, yeah, he kind of comes back to that and kind of keeps cycling back. And I just think, yeah, I completely agree with you. It needs these little moments um, to kind of keep it keep it from being too too morose. But we have after the KACL scene a great example of that, which is Niles struggling with the jar. I mean, has this ever happened to you? Have you been in a scenario where someone's asked you to open a jar and you just realise it's not going to happen on an almost weekly basis? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreadful at jars. I just it's it's I, not in your wheelhouse. It's really not like this. Thing is, though, I get so much joy when I can open one because sometimes I think, oh, this is going to be a struggle. And it opens straight away, and I'm just like, yes. Yeah. You I'm, just feel I'm like the man. man. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, most of the time, I'm more like She Ra, but when I am He Man, it's <laughs> a big moment. That was the, was... the other one in, in He Man, wasn't it? I think. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but it, you said it with such confidence <laughs> that I can't possibly dispute. Um, I was on a train down to London a few weeks ago, and there was, a, there was a girl sitting next to me, and then a guy sitting opposite us, and in like a little four booth. <clears throat> and she was basically trying to open the lid on a nail varnish. And I could see at the corner of my eye, I mean, I was reading, but I could see she was struggling. And, you know, I was, I was maybe at some point going to intervene to just, you know, offer, oh, drop me to do that for you. But in the end, she just kind of tapped the guy ahead of her, um, which I felt slightly aggrieved at. Maybe she thought he looked much stronger than me. And she was like, oh, could you open this for me, please? And then he, he really struggled with it. And we were kind of like, it was all a bit of like an in-joke. All three of us were kind of laughing as while he struggled, but not, not maliciously. And he was like getting his scarf and trying to like, hold the handle with the scarf and in the end after about a minute of struggling it popped off and he was just like wow that could have got really embarrassing um, and it was just a nice moment between three strangers i think just all all over the opening of a container and i just yeah I, I, that's why i love this this scene so much because it's it's what Frasier does so well. It takes something that happens in everyday life and just makes it into a funny gag. Thank God, though, that you didn't offer because if you offered and then struggled for a good five minutes, it would be much, <laughs> much worse. It would have, but I mean, I backed myself and I was like, you know what? You're not as weak as you think you are, Will. I think you can pop this baby open. But the fact that I wasn't asked, you know, I was like, maybe I don't know. I don't need to open this. Maybe I'll go and sit in a different carriage. Um, but no, it was it was a it was a happy happy ending in the end. I wanted to ask you at this point. Because because in the in the episode we get to a point now where <clears throat> Fraser has gathered Niles, Daphne, and Martin together. He has given them a kind of folder he has prepared on what what should happen to him when he dies. Um, a lot of funny kind of fake like faux gravitas moments from Fraser where he's kind of being really self-important. Which of Fraser's objects slash furniture in his apartment would you like bequeathed to you if you were related to him? Oh. Can you, I have say, you ever seen something and thought, I want to slap a tag on that? Can I say Martin's chair? You can say Martin's <laughs> chair, because I would want the Eames chair, and I think that would leave us both very happy customers. I mean, what I'd really like as well, I've always, because I've had a look at this before for you for Christmas, I also want a Ballantine, and I don't think you can get them in this country. I don't, are they still in production, or is it the kind I mean, of beer? Well, I looked up Ballantine before, because I say, I was looking for you for a Christmas present one year, oh, and I thought, man, I'm touched. <laughs> I mean, I, I, in the end, I couldn't find it, I thought, yeah, I won't get him anything at all, but <laughs> <laughs> if I got touched. you anything, it would have been this. I was going to get you a ball- like a, some Ballantine, and I, the only thing I could find was like Ballantine um, whiskey. 
Oh, and I thought yeah. that is not what so I want. Maybe it's potentially fictional for the show. Possibly. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I feel like I've never heard them mention. Well, they they mention wine all the time. Obviously, wine isn't technically branded. The ones they say are like the vineyards, which I imagine doesn't work the same, like product placement wise. But yeah, um, I would. I'd love to get a six pack of Valentine at some point. In fact, the weather was so nice today. I was sitting outside and I was just like, man, I'd love a beer right now. But considering we're all in quarantine, I have to show some restraint and not just drink in the day. <laughs> I have to be like, you know what, let's save it till Friday night and then you can you can enjoy some beers. But related to something we already talked about earlier with Daphne and the and the, the towel, just a really nice little tidbit that well, the quote first when Fraser says, what if you and Niles fight over the African mask, for instance, and Mark goes, it'll never happen. That is a fantastic moment. But I love the fact that Daphne throws a towel over that when he's not home. I think it's just a really nice little tidbit about kind of insight into what she's like when, the, when she's got run of the apartment. Yeah, and I really, I like this scene, actually. I think that I love the, the gravitas of Fraser and how seriously he takes it, you know. Mm. It's as though he's going to die any minute and he's <laughs> he's making these plans. And just the way no one else is really taking it seriously because they see it for what it is mm. with him just being a bit neurotic. Yeah. Um, except for Niles who sees it as a chance to put his sticker on it. I mean, have you ever had this conversation with family about what do you want mm. when I die? I haven't, but I mean, when my mom and dad go on a holiday without me, which is kind of whenever they go abroad now, basically, um, they tell me where to find the will and stuff like that. And I'm always like, oh, you know, I don't need to know that. That's morbid. Get out. But, you know, I, we don't really talk about what what will be bequeathed to whom. You know, I'm, I, I would, I'm always one of these people that's like, I don't care. I'd rather have, you know, you do for as, around for as long as possible kind of thing. You know, it doesn't matter if I get a lamp or a chair or the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> house would be nice considering the yeah. market um, but yeah i mean i just the, the fact i've kind of picked out the 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 story of daphne throwing the towel over the thing is because i when i was a kid i can openly admit this i was terrified of like eyes like big eyes and they used to really creep me out so any toys i had with really kind of big searching eyes i would make sure they were hidden away and when I was kind of growing up and, you know, potty training, my potty in my room was a bear with a massive face and huge eyes. And I had to put like clothing over his face so that when I went to bed at night, I didn't have to look at his face. And is this why Daphne throws the towel over the statue, do we think? Possibly, because the way when she throws the towel, she just sort of give it a little look first as though it's sort of watching her. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I, I really get the, the feeling that if you were, if you, you know, say you were... Daphne in the apartment at night and you were kind of walking through the, the living room to get a glass of water, I'd be creeped out by these kind of humanoid head things in the half light kind of staring at me. Yeah, I mean I bet I mean if you if it was dark and you were walking quickly and you sitting in the corner right, it looked like some bloke just standing in the corner of your room, just yeah, not doing a lot, just hanging around. Uh, you know. We have some some great quotes with like when the way Fraser says I've done some research and I've discovered that most unexpected deaths occur in the home. And Daphne, this is where you come in, the actual finding of the body. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Daphne's like, oh, you know, great. Save the best bit for me. And when she says, um, I've had my fair share of patients die on me, and Martin's like, oh, that's a comfort. I mean, Daphne's so young. I can't, I can't see how she's had that many patients at this point that could possibly have died on her. Because she's only like, what, 20, 25 are we meant to think she is or something like that? I, I see her, yeah, as mid-20s. But given that she seems to be quite senior as a healthcare provider, she seems to know what she's doing. So maybe she's a bit older than we think. Yeah, we've, yeah. I well, think we've clearly established. Natural at it. We've established that me and you are not good at judging people's ages. 
So we have, yes, yeah, literally five minutes ago, and yet she could be fifty-five, here. ready to retire. <laughs> she could just look really good for her age. I really do like how Daphne is just so down to earth and blase about death. It doesn't yeah. seem to bother her in the slightest. I, I mean, I would just think back to. I can't remember what episode it was now. It's the Crucible when she's talking about what death's like to a bunch of strangers. And it's like, oh, you suddenly get all the jokes you never got in life. You know, then there's a bright light and then, you know, that's it. Like, just, yeah, it's, it's, she's clearly kind of tuned in. Maybe it's that psychic power of hers, but. And of course, it's something she, she thinks about, but yeah, it doesn't. She doesn't let it ruin her. And she joked, of course, as well about um, her granddad dying as well. You know, the way he was on the couch for weeks because yeah. Grammy swore that he was just napping. Yeah, that kind of weekend at Bernie's style uh, kind of situation she found herself in, and all, all of that is kind of like touched on in the brilliant interaction between Fraser and Martin after this scene. The kind of Fraser's staying up at night. He's trying to listen to the sound of his heartbeat. He's really anxious, trying to reconcile the fact that, you know, how could someone in the prime of their life just die completely inexplicably? And yeah, just the, the, the conversation, as we've seen so many times now, it's kind of late at night. It's just the two of them in the in the living room. This is when the, the acting comes out and the great moments come out and they talk about baseball and death and courage and Martin getting shot and it. Just a great, great bit. Yeah, I mean, there's two things I think this scene does really, really well. I think the first bit is that they make Frasier's fear so understandable because he it does really, I think, when he's talking about 18, eight, I say 1,800 gallons of blood going through your body from the heart. Yeah, voice. I know. I picked that but out, actually. That it's so easy to break it. It does make you think that it is kind of incredible just how vulnerable human beings are and that we take for granted that everything just keeps working and keeps ticking over and everything's fine. Honestly, um, I couldn't agree more. It's exactly what I was thinking when he said that. And I just think a lot of eyes, how insanely delicate eyes are. And all it would take is like a car going past me to chip up a stone and the stone fly into my eye and it could blind me forever, you know. And then it's just, yeah, we are insanely fragile, but we we live like we're invincible most of the time. It's just, yeah, I yeah. think Frasier's great at, at bringing that out. And then, of course, we have our typical uh, John Mahoney piece of brilliance with his, you know, his little life lecture about how, you know, if, if you've got a door, you've just got to run through it. And if you get shot, you get shot. Yeah, it's just a brilliant moment where like Fraser says, you know, you were that close to helping me, Dad. I love that. It's just you have this uh this kind of really powerful moral message that he's coming out with and then he just undercuts it completely by like, oh, the fact that I got shot was a complete coincidence. And um, he's so good at doing really, that. It's a really kind of great back and forth generally here. Like Fraser is talking about his ever so slightly receding hairline. Is this something you worry about, Key? Do you worry your hair will recede? I do. I genuinely do, yeah, because I've got quite a big forehead. And I was looking <laughs> in the mirror the other day. I was like, is my forehead just big? Or is actually, is my hair just going back and my forehead's getting bigger? Your I hair is slowly on the march backwards, revealing yeah. the, uh, the forehead yeah, underneath. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't agree that you have a big forehead, Key. I can say thank that. You. But I think I also <laughs> live in fear that my hair will recede. Um, I think you meant to go off like your maternal grandfather, isn't it? Is that what it's... If, if that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping for, because like. my granddad on mum's side has a full head of hair. It all like, if it, from anything like him, my hair will go white, but I'll have a full head of hair, which I will Man, take. I think that's the dream, basically. Yeah. That is the dream. Whereas I mean, on dad's side, who doesn't have their hair, it's fine. You know, it's that. Sometimes it's a it's a life choice. Sometimes it's not. But uh, yeah, I think I think for me personally, a dream is to have what you just described—a big set of white hair. But on the uh, on the flip side, everyone on my dad's side, bold. 
So wow. Okay. There well, I mean, not Bob, but they do. Yeah, they do lose their hair as they go older. It's like a <laughs> so tiny, really tiny wispy bit. A on top, lottery so. for you. <laughs> You're like, I'm really, it's... really hoping I take off the maternal side. <laughs> <laughs> so we have after this conversation, Fraser decides he needs to go to to the the shiver, the the sitting of shiver. I don't know quite know how you the terminology to phrase that, but um, they are sitting shiver because Gary Newman was Jewish. So he goes down to Gary Newman's house because he wants to find out how the doctor died and and to try and just rationalize this completely inexplicable death, only to be met with more, you know, incredulity. He, he can't, you know, everyone's like, oh, no, he went to the gym four times a week. His diet was fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, first off, Frazier doesn't know what Shiver is. And yet in the same scene, he, he says how Lilith was Jewish. I've, surely he would know what Shiver was. But if you had a Jewish wife, you would think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm surprised that he doesn't. Um, also, if, I mean, if, if Lilith hadn't had someone die in her family, then maybe it would never have come up. But I just feel like it's the kind of thing that would have. Yeah, I, I would. You think that even just mentioned in passing, it would come up. You know, we mm. just. Yeah, I, I think not, so. I don't know, but we have like the bar mitzvah, and we have, but then like in in Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz as well. There's the kind of all of them. Niles in particular, they're all very ignorant of, of kind of Judaism. So maybe maybe they just didn't talk about it. Maybe he's he's not expected to know. Um, just something that kind of cropped up to me. <laughs> we have a fantastic line from Frazier, probably my favourite line of the show, when he says, My goodness, has anybody checked to see if he's really dead? <laughs> <laughs> when they're describing how fit Gary Newman was and how he has 10% body fat, which would have been a good question to ask you, actually. Um, but yeah, that is a fantastic delivery. I mean, for me, also, do you know Alan Freeman, the one who delivers the line of about 10% body fat? Yes. The Does the actor look very familiar to you? I am he struggling looks... to picture him in my head. Oh, he looked very, very familiar to me. I actually wrote down in my notes, do I know this guy? Um, <laughs> but you didn't go and look. <laughs> I did not go and look. Okay, I'm looking now. Okay, you're looking now. Do you want me His to name is you? Murray Rubenstein. Okay, um, so he presumably is Jewish with... in real life. Let's see what he was in. I'm checking IMDb. I don't know how accurate this will be. Um, okay. I also did one line actually I really, really love in this scene. And um, I love the fact, the way that he goes, you know, you go, are you, um, are you Jewish? And he goes, well, my, my ex-wife was and my son is. So, um, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, the fact by association, it makes him Jewish. Like I, I know, I, mean, I know what he's doing here because, like, sometimes it's like if you've lived around it for that long, you kind of feel like you are. But the fact that he's just, just the fact he's there, not strike you as odd. I mean, would a normal family be that receptive to a complete stranger showing up awake slash shiver? and inquiring about the person who's died when you know nothing about them. I would assume some kind of scam was going on. And yeah, am I? I just think it's really strange. I just, yeah, the fact that he shows up and I just don't think this would be normal. Um, I've had a look at Murray Rubenstein and I... I've never seen anything else that he's been in, so okay, it was just a bit of a maybe yeah, he just a red he must have made a really lasting impression on me from this one episode. Um, it's clearly a very striking face, but, <laughs> but yeah, what I also I love about that Jewish line is that obviously with Judaism, you know, I know certainly in Europe going back a few years, is that is there not an idea with Judaism that it runs through the maternal line or something like that, or there's this far more of a, a link, I think, is there the oh, if, if your parents know, are Jewish or something like that, or whether that's just a... Because I know obviously in wow. Germany, they did a thing where they made laws in order to identify Jewish people through, literally through birthright, rather than through, you know, it being a religion as per se. Oh, okay. It's almost as if it was like hereditary in some way. Yeah. 
yeah, and that's how they they tried to identify Jews. I think early on. Um, yeah, and I, I, I'm really, I'm very ignorant. I'm afraid to say of kind of well, world religion in generally, even my own religion, even <laughs> whatever that is. Um, but yeah, um, it's just yeah. that that certainly seems interesting. The fact that like, I, you know, the fact that Freddy is half Jewish, and Fraser says this multiple times across multiple episodes because of Lilith. I feel like if Lilith was Baptist and Fraser was, you know, I don't know, whatever. Well, that's probably a poor example because if you're both in Christianity, then it makes no difference if it's like one of you is a Baptist, one of you is a Methodist, one of you is Catholic, etc. So maybe that's not a great example. But yeah, the fact that they identify Freddie as half Jewish because yeah. of Earth and stuff, maybe maybe there is something to that maternity. I, I mean, I could be getting this wrong and I apologise if I'm offending well, no, anyone out people here. Been very, not... I should say, on the subreddit, people have been very helpful when we bring something up that we don't fully understand because, you know, we're only human and there's a, there's a lot of information out there. So if you kind of, yeah, if you want to correct anything we've said or you have a bit of extra info for us, then please post it because we we do read everything on there in fact that reminds me someone who was very very flattering um very praising of the podcast which we are very grateful for has posted a little bit of clarification about last week's debacle about notre dame i don't know if you remember that Kay. yes yes okay so this is from the username is nsfy33 so i'm not sure how to pronounce that we'll, co- we'll just call him 33 um and he said fyi regarding notre dame College football is huge in the US and every university college has a team. Notre Dame is a religious Catholic university and not particularly good at football most years. So the joke is the only thing he talks about is a not very good college team that usually wouldn't be discussed on a sports show like Bulldogs, where presumably pro leagues and better college teams would take priority. So yeah, he's, he, he kind of freely admits we got the gist of it, but we weren't quite Yeah, there, we didn't so. get the specifics. Yeah, really grateful for that clarification, um, which I just think makes the joke much more satisfying now we know what it, you know, what it is, because it's such yeah. a throwaway moment. I mean, we, we, all I can hear is you going, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. <laughs> um, it's nice it, to have the kind of context of that. I think that's absolutely fantastic for us as well, to have, as, you know, English people, I think it's great for us to have that maybe American perspective to get the quite American jokes maybe that we don't necessarily pick up on. Uh, over here as much yeah yeah a few people have commented on that actually saying they like hearing like a brit's perspective on things um which isn't something probably a lot of people want most of the time we've, we've had a perspective <laughs> on things for hundreds of years much to the detriment of m- most of the world um so yeah really really nice that we're kind of our british Fraser perception is uh is, is not being met with complete scorn i was gonna say i do you know who i actually love in this scene and i i have no idea who the actress is i've never seen anything else and she's barely in this but gail the one when she's like she's in tears and she realizes <laughs> that dr crane is there it's like dr crane from the radio i just i love her face yeah, the and the way she delivers that, that line <laughs> I like I she's just showed brilliant. up with a Linzer tour, and yeah, I mean, she's she's clearly upset, but also you know, secretly she's loving life because Fraser. <laughs> fair play, fair play to Gail. Uh, but I mean, on a, on a slightly less light note, I I do think the moral of this episode is like really striking and really moving. The fact that it is about you know someone can do everything right in life and can die before their time you know they can be as healthy as you can be and you know they they, they live their life kind of justly and morally and yet you know they're, they're taken for their time and i just think it's it, although the episode ends with a bit of frivolity and the kind of usual descent into fraser's perennial horniness the, the i think that is really really moving because that is what this episode is about and although fraser basically forgets about it by the next episode it stuck with me and it will always stick with me because this is something ultimately we all have to face at some point and i just think yeah 
it's pretty powerful. I'll actually, I wanted to raise this earlier. I was looking for the right time. I think now is the right time. As much as we like, I mean, I, feel, I think it's fair to say me and you like most, if not every episode of Frasier. But I would say that. Looking ahead, you get those moments like, oh, I really like that one. Like, And when I looked at what we were watching this week, this is one of those for me. I was like, oh, yeah, I, like, I really like that episode. And I started watching. I was like, "This isn't. I'm not. I'm not sure why I love it as much because it, it's not. As, it's not joke, 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 joke. It's not the funniest of episodes." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I've overplayed this in my head or something." And then it got to the end. And I was like, "Yes, that's why I love it. It's just. I think this is just a really, really beautiful episode in terms mm. of the story. It's so relatable. It's Frasier's him coming to terms with his own mortality. And I love the fact that at the end." It's basically we don't have an answer. There, there is no fix. There's no magic words that Fraser can say to make it right. And I love the fact that he just accepts that and that, uh, you know, life sometimes isn't fair. And that's, I think it's just, it's really done in a really beautiful way. And it's not the most comedic heavy episode, but we do get so many really, we get like the little jokes which underpin the really big moments, which are really nice. I mean, it, when he's uh, speaking to the widow and he gives her this beautiful speech about you know you've got to live life for the little things and mm. that's it's a it's a really profound speech it's a really nice speech it's a way you know it's it's very very good way to live your life and then you just get that little joke underpinning it of her saying oh you're not jewish are you <laughs> yeah like you don't he says you can't spend your life being obsessed with death i wasn't familiar with like the kind of this stereotype or cliche of kind of judaism generally you know that they're obsessed with death i mean that wasn't something i've ever been kind of familiar with she's obviously riffing off that because that's why she responds in that way but no i think i think you've just summed up the episode really well i really like this episode as well and for everything you know i echo everything you just said but yeah it does kind of it strikes to the heart i think of these kind of yeah the, when when fraser wants to get moral it it does a really good job at doing that um, yeah and that's a testament to a just, great yeah, show i, 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 I think can, yeah a sign of a really yeah. good show that, and i think even better an even stronger sign is the fact that as you say he doesn't have the answers and we're not left with an answer or, at all and he has to admit himself you know i'm i went to harvard i did all this i did all that believe me i've tried you know, he says to, to mrs newman and he just yeah he can't he can't rationalize this and although it's kind of forgotten about by the next episode as is i think the woman who gives him her number um <laughs> i don't think we ever see her again but yeah it's just i think it's a really tight episode for what showing when fraser wants to take something serious um the show really can sing yeah i mean for me i'd say this is the the best episode so far that I is think... really really strong praise that's a that's a I... big claim would you say that? I, I mean obviously i defend your right to say that to the end <laughs> but yeah i mean i just i really i really love the episode i just for me i, I love yeah i'm looking back now to think maybe i've overstated that but no i don't think so i think so far i think this is the best episode i mean bear in mind this is only episode 11 but I think this is the best. <laughs> no, I think I think yes. Episode to, out of those eleven guns, you know, if a good think, instinct told you that, I think yeah. I'll be really interested actually. What people, uh, what listeners think of this episode, whether they really like it, whether they prefer more comedy-heavy episodes, It'd be really interested actually to find out people's views on that. Because yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to see do people really like the um, maybe not quite as funny but more deep or heartwarming episodes of Frasier, or maybe more the heavy episodes more. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like episodes like death and the dog dark victory even call me responsible which we've already reviewed we did say that didn't have many yeah. jokes in it was dealing with fraser's ethics and his morals and stuff so um yeah it'd be really interested to see what people think about that and and kind of which on the spectrum zero to ten zero being really serious and ten being you know niles in three valentines setting the couch <laughs> on fire where do you kind of sit in the in the spectrum but yeah i mean i think other than i think we've kind of 
before we play our, as usual, closing game of whose crane is it anyway, I think we've kind of wrapped up the episode there. Do you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, I think... I think my uh, little rant has, has covered most of it, to be honest with you. I think, uh, I think it has, yeah. I think I, I don't mean to ask you that question again and under, undermine what you said. <laughs> I think you summed up the episode extremely well, actually. Um, and yeah, kind of got to the truth of why why we enjoyed you know, reviewing this this week. But yeah, so while we're, while we're here, Key, are you ready for whose crane is it anyway? I have never been more ready, Will. Okay. This week, I want you to tell me who said, what am I supposed to say? What I am, am I supposed to say? I am not ready, Will. <laughs> 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 um, what am I supposed to say? Um, what am I supposed to say? I remember it could be anyone from the episode. Yeah, I feel like the obvious one is going to be Fraser when he was speaking to someone. Maybe oh, maybe it could be Martin when Fraser said he could oh. be. Now, from your tone, I'm guessing it's neither. <laughs> I didn't um, say that, Kate. I am gonna. It's okay. It's either gonna be Fraser or Martin when discussing their, you know, mortality. Okay. I am gonna say Fraser. I am afraid it is neither of those. Oh well. It is Roz when Fraser is talking to her in the booth about, um, kind of yeah, death and her age and the fact she's younger than him. Roz says, "What am I supposed to say?" Oh. I'm sorry, Kit. I'm sorry to do that to you. After I'm you sorry, summed up the episode well. so beautifully, I, feel, I, feel <laughs> I know. Cheap to, uh... I came in very confident, dude. Crash. <laughs> as you burn. should have, I think. As you should have. Um, but yeah, that is everything for uh, death becomes him. Next week we'll be looking at episode season one, episode twelve. Well, one and thing I was I was just going to point out before we get to the end. Uh, the episode title. Yes. Uh, is there anything you wanted to add? Is there any any reference there that comes to mind? I feel like it is a reference, a literary reference. Yeah, I think, but it... I don't know what. Is there something? Is it Death Becomes Her or something like that? I think. Uh, I can have a Google. Death I... Becomes Her. Yes, Death Becomes yes. Her is a Robert Zemeckis film from 1992. Starring oh. Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis. There you go. There we go. Um, wow. Did not know. So yeah, great, great spot there, Kate. I did have a I have feeling. No be referencing about. something but, yeah i it, it um, felt like i've it, it, i feel like that's um it's something that people maybe when writing episode titles for a lot of shows have done twists of on things like that i think it must be fairly common you know yeah 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 it's um yeah i think of like another example morning becomes entertainment which is yeah. a really good episode in season seven i think is like a riff on the morning becomes Electra play um mm. can't remember who that's by maybe eugene o'neill or someone someone like that um but next week we'll be looking at season one episode 12 miracle on third or fourth street so unseasonable christmas episode <laughs> but i'm actually really looking forward to that because i'm someone who loves christmasy things even when it isn't christmas i don't know if you echo that yeah i mean i'm one of those people that um in the build-up to Christmas, I know people often, often, you know, try and watch Christmas films, but I will watch Christmas episodes of TV shows, and I'll have a go-to list. Um, and every Christmas episode of Frasier is on there. Oh, uh, so yeah, this is. Uh, it feels like the second of December, and I'm getting ready. <laughs> you feel like, yeah, you need to kind of get your hat on, get your cup of cocoa. And uh, you'll be set to go. But yeah, we'll be looking at Miracle on 3rd or 4th Street next week. But other than that, I've been Will. I've been Key. Thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Well, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.